0: You're beginning. The time is 6.04. Hello, everybody. Mm -hmm. I hope you're all doing well. I just recently returned from New York and I have a very good visit with my family. I'm glad to be back. And um, I have an interesting little opener we're going to do here in a minute. But um, I wanted to share. First, we do the roll. Oh
1: yes, sorry, sorry, yes. sorry, that, Please, Lorena Mellon, Present. Richard Harvey Jr. Present. Serena Clinton. Present. Tammy Wilson. Present. Mark Smith. Here. Derek Turner. We have a corn. Oh,
0: thank you. Um, when I went back to New York. I was interested in um, what was going on with the refugee crisis that they're having there, where all these people are being bussed in. And then they have them kind of like all segregated into this humongous building that, I don't know, probably holds, I would say, 500 people, 600 people. And they have a couple of those buildings throughout the city. But um, what, I mean, (sighs) I don't know, I can't say it's worse than what we have, but it's just as bad because there are a lot of children, a lot of babies, a lot of little ones, you know, that um, need to be in school. And so what's happening is, um, my daughter works in the education um, system. They are putting these um, school-age children into schools in the city and they don't speak English. 99.9% 99.9% do not speak English and there is a good um, support system as far as uh, Spanish speaking in, in New York there is but um, they're just so overwhelmed you talk about a, a system that's being overwhelmed and, and just they just don't know what to do. I mean it's it was amazing and we drove down there and I saw all those people on the street. And I saw that building, and I saw the families, and I saw the little babies. I saw the pregnant women. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is just horrendous. You know, something has to be done for these poor people. I don't I don't know what the answer is, but I know they're doing the best that they can. But it, unfortunately, it's taking away a lot of resources from people that live in New York that need resources, too, that now, what are they going to do? You know, it, it, it's a crazy situation. It's really not. But I have um, a game that I want to start out with. It's called Two Truths and a Lie. I'm sure you've all heard this. Um, you're going to tell us two things that are true about you and one thing that you made up. It could be anything. It could be from when you were a child. It could be from anything, you know. And then We're going to try to guess. Anyone can guess what they think the lie is. I'll start. Okay. So um, I play the cello. Um, I speak four languages. And I got stuck in an elevator in Spain. Which two are true? Which is a lie?
1: (laughs) Come on, guys. So you told us three things.
0: I told you three things. One of them is a lie. I play the cello. I speak four languages, and I got stuck in an elevator in Spain. Hmm. Had to Mm -hmm. climb out of it. Actually, (laughs) (laughs) It's extra details. Gonna say. Uh Gonna say.
2: I think it's only three languages, not four. I know, I think that language
0: is... Oh, uh, you guys are smart. I only speak two. <laughs> <laughs> so the other two things are true. I played play the cello and I did get stuck in an elevator. Yeah, it's things. too detailed in the opera. Uh, oh, yeah, I, love yeah, that that. Oh, so I that's no, not yeah.
1: <laughs> That's not true. Okay, Brenda, you go. I'm um, married 30 years. I met my husband when I was 21. And I'm a teen mom.
3: That's
4: hard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right? Wait, how long you
1: did you say Charles? you were married? Huh? How
2: long did you say you were married?
1: Thirty
4: years.
2: Well, and you met your mom. husband when you were twenty Mm-hmm.
5: I don't think you're a teen
2: mom. I don't think just 51. What?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I
0: Asian look, age pretty well. There's a lot of laughter That,
1: that ninja every year. What do you guys think?
4: I think the I th- same mom has survived.
0: That's
4: what I think too. I think uh being married for thirty years.
1: Yeah, me too. The fake one is um I'm, I'm, I met my husband at 21. Oh, that's the lie. Oh, tell him when you were actually 18, Mom. No, how old were you your America? Um, when I
0: was
1: 18, so, I married him. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah.
5: She <laughs>
6: really okay. oh, wow. We so did have that conversation.
1: Yes. I, knew, yes. like Robert, oh, I, knew, I
6: knew your 30 yes. years was right.
3: But I didn't
1: know what you yeah, right. Yeah. I'm 50 this year. Oh I'm I'm <laughs> Okay,
3: Richard, you're here. Okay, you're
6: yikes. <laughs> hmm. Uh I won a presidential service award. I back up song for Gospel Sacred Thai Trivia. I have traveled. To Spain by myself. What's the second one? I backed up song for Ty Trippet, the gospel artist. What Which was the was first the one? one? What and the one one presidential President a Presidential Service Award.
0: Presidential Service, service. Oh, Award. Okay. Okay. It's sure. I know, right?
6: <laughs> I I'm going to
4: say. The one that's a lie is the backup syndrome. Actually, no, that is your one. That's
6: true. What was the lie? you saying? Um, okay. The lie is I tried
4: to
7: stay by myself. That's right. <laughs> oh. I
6: went to Spain acting with my sister. Oh,
0: okay. I, see, I knew you could understand that I, yeah. Okay, I'm not on their level of like, Yeah, I have. Oh, I'm not on their level of to Okay, David.
8: I've sold shoes for work. I've cared for laboratory mice for work. And I've parked cars for work. Ooh.
3: <laughs> I think it's <laughs> the first one. That is tough. Mm-hmm. Hardcore stuff. What was <laughs> <You know, laughs>
1: the first one? The first one. Sold, so, shoes.
8: sold shoes. Cared for laboratory mice. And, um, Park cars.
3: <laughs> I think it's
8: sold shoes. Yeah, I actually have not cared for laboratory. I have, in fact, sold
4: shoes oh, and I yeah. have, in fact, parked cars.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I
4: thought you yeah. might have done that early, early on in school. College you college. Yeah. College. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Tabby. <laughs> Is it my turn? I can't think
0: of anything. <laughs>
7: You're a wealth of information. My goodness. I won the Volunteer of the Year for a City of Haley. I can speak 11, uh, 11 languages. I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, give me a second. Why didn't I think this through? Uh... And I've had a clothing line in Macy's as a designer.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's a clothing line.
7: Correct. My mom was a mm-hmm. designer that had a line in Macy's.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> okay. I do have a
7: line, it's just not in Macy's.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard you speak about languages before, I remembered that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
7: Great.
6: I think so. So I was just like.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: Serena. Okay. Um, I have recently won multiple pickleball championships at my club. Mm-hmm. I have recorded an album of patient gospel music, and I've worked for a computer dating service for
3: a
4: um, computer. A computer. What type of computer? A thing?
5: computer dating service. Oh, computer I dating like service. Right. You might be old enough <laughs> to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 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 this is pre-internet.
1: Dating
7: oh. service. Oh, okay. Let's see. Hmm. That's a good question. Is it the Haitian gospel song? No,
5: I've done that. Do <laughs> <laughs> you speak Creole? I do.
4: Oh,
6: did, did, you, you. did you? What? Did you? <laughs> I
5: don't know about the <laughs> blood. A little
7: pieces. bit. Not, huh? not enough to say that. I dated somebody. <laughs> the dating you service. Just, nope,
0: I did the way?
6: Pickleball. The
0: dating service. The dating service. The dating service. The dating service. My
1: mother. Your mother. Your mother. That's
0: great. That's great.
4: Okay. I to think of one. <laughs> yes, oh, um, you can do this. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> let me see here. Um, I lived in Germany for two years. Uh, I'm an avid collector of old time radio broadcasts. And I'm also formally a Kung Fu student.
0: Currently a Kung Fu student? Formally, formally a oh, Kung Fu Oh, formally.
4: Formally a Kung
0: Fu <laughs> <Okay>. student. That has changed
4: everything. What's that? So that changes everything. <laughs> yeah. What
2: was the first one? He lived in Germany for two years. Yeah,
4: it? I lived in Germany for two years. And I said uh I said I was a, a former Kung Fu student and said, cool, I think I said I said uh I'm an avid collector of
0: jazz. That's what I said. Of old radio broadcasts. oh excuse me of old time radio right <laughs> <there.
4: laughs> old time radio I think
6: that one yeah that's the old time radio all time radio.
0: radio.
4: No, Just, that's actually true.
5: Oh,
0: it is. <laughs> I think it's Germany. No, Germany. that's true too. That's true yeah. too. Oh, yeah. so <laughs> you fire. never, you never were I a country's too. i Yeah,
4: I was never a country <laughs> too. <star.
0: laughs> <laughs> you were with the obvious one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good <laughs> strategy.
2: I know.
3: I can see you. You uh, know, <laughs> <comfortable. laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Portia is with us on the on the phone. She's one of our, our only phone folks. Portia, do you want to play?
9: I've been thinking about this. Uh, No, I enjoy listening. I'll pass. Okay.
2: I have studied abroad. I have studied abroad in Germany. I have studied abroad in Luxembourg. And I have studied abroad in Egypt. Well, that's hard. I I took some cues from some others. Okay, (laughs) three of the
0: same... I, yes, I one of them I didn't. I don't think he st- studied in Egypt. Me too. You guys are doubting Egypt? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm
3: going to go
7: Luxembourg. It's kind of
3: pretty deep. far.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> just to make I it more exciting. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. I studied abroad in Egypt. You did? You did? Oh my <gasps> gosh. Wow. How fabulous.
1: Mm-hmm. That's too nice. So what was the lie Luxembourg. Luxembourg. That was my sister. Oh <laughs> how cool.
0: Well good, good, good. That was fun. Very fun. <clears good. throat> okay, so um let's go on to approving our minutes in our December twelfth meeting. And
2: um you also have your January 9th. So you have both in your
5: And your the January, January 9th. 9th, yes,
0: yes, yes. <clears throat> Informational <throat> meeting. Someone
3: like to move on now. Need
1: Anyone? A i a
6: oh, cool. give me no <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Can I do both at the same Absolutely, time?
0: Absolutely, yes. Yes, yes, yes. You don't have... I'm here for you. I'm
2: here for you. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. the the Kayla substitute.
6: Right. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> So I move to approve the minutes from December 12 and the minutes from January 9th. Or second.
1: I will um, call your name for the vote and please say yes or no. Lorita Mellon? Yes. Richard Harvey Jr.? Yes. Serena Clayton? Yes. Tammy Wilson? Yes. Mark Smith? Yes. The motion passed. Thank you.
0: Okay. Our next item is, um, our medical director report.
6: Great. I just wanted to give a few updates. Um, some of
8: which, um, I sent out in the, uh, email an email in between that, um, we forwarded an email from healthcare service agency that made it for these updates, but I just wanted to make sure we have the time in the meeting also to share these kind of important things. Um, so the first is that we have a new, Director, or we will have in March a new director for the County Office of Homeless Care and Coordination. So this is the office in the Healthcare Services Agency um, that Healthcare for the Homeless is a part of. Um, so they're the ones who receive the Section Three Thirty grant from the federal government that gives them FQHC status, and then they pass the money off to us to get us FQHC status. And they're really an important partner for us. This office has now consolidated a lot of the housing functions in the county, as well as the healthcare functions in the county. Um, so really, really important office and really been kind of successfully gotten off the ground by Carrie Abbott, who is stepping down. And Jonathan Russell has been selected, um, who has worked in the county a long time. He's known by a lot of folks and liked by a lot of folks uh, around town. Um, most recently, he served as the Chief Strategy and Impact Officer at Bay Area Community Service uh backs and he has experience on both kind of the housing side and the homeless services side which is really fantastic actually um because i think it's really hard to find someone who kind of bridges that those two worlds uh really well um so he's going to start on march 4th and we'll look forward to having him here and hopefully having him come to a board of trustees meeting um you know once he once he gets his feet under Um, So the next update is uh, one, and maybe Serena and Loretta, you can jump in here. I just wanted to let everyone know that the county has published the 2022 homeless mortality report. Um, You can see the the trends there. Um, You know, the overall number of people who've been homeless recently um, or are actively homeless at the point um, when they died is about the same to a little bit increased. Uh, between 2021 and 2022. And I think really similar issues in the 2022 report as the 2021 report, um, overdose deaths are a really big part of what's happening. Um, chronic disease exacerbations are a really big part of the causes of death and, you know, still a lot, a lot, a lot of unattended deaths. Uh, so those are, those were kind of my takeaways from 2021. And from what I saw in the report, 2022 kind of still looks similar but I understood the meeting just happened where the quarterly meetings review. So I don't know if either of you want to share anything else about what's happening with the mortality review, what's happening with this report.
0: Um, well, I was sharing earlier that um, I really like the idea of the flow chart showing there was uh, 15 people in the meeting today and there were 13 organizations represented, which is amazing. You know, and so um, once again, to find out what each organization is doing, because you don't know what I'm doing and I don't necessarily know what you're doing. And so it's back to that communication and collaboration, which I think is so important. And so that's something that they are gonna be working on. And then what else was it, Selena? Um, I don't, I we spent
5: most of the time just going over the report. Yeah. Um, and I agree that it wasn't that different than last year. So, I mean, it was interesting to get a refresher. Um, mm-hmm. As far as, like, what's actually happening,
3: not really clear.
5: I didn't feel like there was a clear next steps or, you know.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what we're, they're working on. Um, and, and I think that by doing this flow chart or, that they're trying to create, um, it will definitely uh, let other people know where that organization is involved in this. You know, so we're not necessarily duplicating the same thing and leaving out something that maybe we should be picking up on, or maybe we need to collaborate with another organization and because we have the same resources and we can, you know, help in that area, like needle exchange or whatever you know, um, the, the drug testing is going to be starting soon. I think in a month or so, he said, um, which is a huge, huge thing. It's not just those little fentanyl strips. This is where they're actually going to test the drugs, that tell the person what is in your drug, you know, so you can make a choice at that point, whether you want to continue to use it or not, you know, and, um, Also, um, the fentanyl and the um, methamphetamine were tied, correct, as far as overdose deaths. Yeah, and well, no, the highest number of
5: deaths is for people that have both um, opioids and meth stimulants present. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that those both were tied for causing the death. It just means that they were both present Mm -hmm. at the time of death.
0: Right. Which is is kind of unusual. I I don't I don't understand the full mindset behind why someone would use a downer and an upper. You know, but I mean, it, it's it's either you you like the downer or you like the upper. You know, sort of kind of. So I'm I'm kind of surprised at that, but that's what they're seeing.
8: It's really an escalating trend over the last few years. Yeah. It did used to be, you know, when I was in training. Um, People typically used either stimulants mm-hmm. or,
3: you know, sedatives, and it just isn't that way now. In yeah. uh, practice,
8: over the last maybe I don't know five five years or so, it's it's really transformed, and so yeah. that's a remarkable kind of change from from how, you know, how drug use and overdose
0: deaths you know, used to used to can, look in these kinds of reports. You can imagine when it's in the body. I mean, that's just so so crazy, so crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, and David is going to be presenting at the conference again, so was yeah,
8: he's I think working with the Healthcare for the Homeless Council nationally and yes. talking about just different comparative approaches to mortality review. Yeah, how it can how it can be part of a you know a, a comprehensive right. kind of systematic approach in the community to caring for people experiencing homelessness. That I think David, you know, ever since I've worked with him, which is 15 years, um, has really been a big champion for the idea that, you know, a community that cares, understands where and how people are dying and does something about it. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing I understood from the report is that they're going to try to work toward more real time analysis of deaths because we're looking at twenty twenty two deaths, right? And yes, um, yes, they're yes. they're going to be trying to transform this into an online dashboard rather right. than an annual right. report that comes out every couple of years. Yes, um, which may you know may help us to see um, more about how our work is is changing mm-hmm. this, or more about what what's happening a little bit sooner because this is now like you know and over a, a year, year
0: yeah, over a year behind. And I think. Um, I think that's very possible, you know, at least from what I'm hearing from San Francisco, they, they keep a very good record of overdoses, well, you know, homeless overdoses, and they're constantly updating that, and so I don't know how they're going to do it, but, but I, I do agree that we should have more current information, see where the trend is going,
8: well, we'll definitely learn from David's, you know, report out at National Healthcare Care for the Homeless and yeah. how other communities are doing it and how we can keep learning from this. But he
0: thank says you that everybody support. looks to us, he says, because everyone looks to Allegheny LA County. <laughs> and he said, we don't have all the answers, but, you yeah. know. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. I have a question yeah.
7: about the numbers. So was there a breakdown? Because there's 266 homeless um, deaths within five years that were housed at the time. Did, it, did they show a breakdown of, like, what they died from? Like, was it depression and... Suicide, so, you know, like, yes, they did.
0: They did, it's okay. not here, but yes, it was on the report to King. But you know, mostly... did break down that line, the 266, they mm-hmm. yeah. broke down the whole, the
7: total. All yeah. I would be, like, for me, I guess, mm-hmm. I'm curious like, to know once you get housed, right. what is the danger after five right. years? And mm-hmm. even my own that I've just been in my house since 2022, like, right, there's so many ups and downs, right, and so many mm-hmm. strong feelings and emotions and even touching with other people they're just like I don't want to be here and life's changed and you know like I wonder how much of it is just depression and how can we step in with something that helps families like because we're like your house you're fine now go like you know and for me I'm experiencing so many things like now I can't pay the bills now I'm danger again like and what are you know like I have kids right so there's no options I have to wake up every morning because what about people that don't necessarily have that someone stated to me you have your kids i don't have kids i just don't like not being there. you know i wonder what what we can do to step in i guess i just see the pain and i don't know it, it's not telling me it's there but
0: we're, depression we're like, and suicide are very we're, are definitely categories that were yeah, looked were. at and and um one thing too is that just because a person gets housed depending on how long they go on the streets they could have a chronic illness that, you know, is, <clears throat> if we had gotten them into housing five years earlier, maybe all this could have been avoided. Or if we had our drop-in our clinic where they could come and get help, you know? Two years ago, then they wouldn't be suffering from whatever they're suffering from and dying from. Yeah. But I just wonder how much of it is really just that there's
7: no wraparound services, that we just leave people in the home and then it ends with Ruby's place as soon as I was there, it was just like five. Or, you know, I just wonder how much of it is we're just not doing a check-in and what can we do to take one step further? I don't know that the
8: report itself addresses that, but clinically that's something we talk about a lot, actually, yeah. that the moment of getting housed can actually be quite oh. difficult Oh mm-hmm. yeah, um, and can lead to a lot of disruptions in people's patterns and changes and what the pressures and challenges are. And mm-hmm. it, can, it can be associated with actually clinical problems. Mm-hmm. So clinicians talk about that quite a bit. I don't, I don't know that we have the granular enough data in the mortality report to kind of understand it based on this data source. But it's certainly something that people talk about a
2: lot. But it would be interesting to break it out. Yeah, I mean, they could do
5: that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's
3: a really interesting question.
2: We usually do have David come to um, talk to us here at our meeting as well. And so we
0: can invite him to do so. Yeah. And two years ago at the Hellos um, Convention, um, Uh, Arizona, I think it was, have this whole, what they did is they put it out to the uh, the voters if they would vote for a bond, and they got all this money, and they built all this, um, these little clusters of housing, you know, for the homeless, and um, each complex had a, uh, a leader that lived there, actually lived there, you know. And then uh, there was someone that would come in every single day that worked there. So to check IDs for people coming in and out of the building or whatever, you know, their job title was. But they found that by having um, someone live in, in the same apartment complex as the other people, that was a tremendous help. I, I remember that their program was, I, I will be curious to see if they talk about it again this year because it was such a, a wonderful model program that you know, I thought, we could do that, you know? Alameda County could actually do that. And, um, oh, and, and another thing was the community. They, they would have um, building meetings once a month. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of camaraderie there, and, you know, and that just really helped people feel like they belonged. And if they were having a specific problem, maybe another neighbor could help them with that, you know? So it was a community effort. And I think that's what we
3: got here.
8: Well, we have a lot of different types of permanent housing that's developed, you know, that Office of Homeless Care Coordination, right. including permanent supportive housing that has supports on site, that's mm-hmm. more institutional. So Oak Days is an example oh, actually, yeah. of permanent supportive housing, where there are a lot of support services available in housing that are meant to stay with people for the rest of their lives, actually. So. There's a lot of care sort of built into that. There's also sort of scattered site supportive housing in which teams may visit or the support may yes. come from different parts of the from different um, parts of the system, like yes. through grants that are paid for by HUD, through grants from healthcare services agencies. So there are a lot of different ways of designing support and people want to be supported in a lot of different ways. Um, so, yeah, just to say, like, we ha- we do have examples of things like what you described mm-hmm. here in Alameda County as well, um, and um, I think it's, it's, it's acknowledged that this issue of supporting people after they're in housing mm-hmm. is really, really important, not just, you know, not just at the moment of homelessness, but beyond the moment of homelessness, that it's really, really critical to retain that support. I
0: remember you mentioning a patient, um, this was a few years ago, that recently he had gotten house and um she's having the hardest time do you never do who that was it i don't remember i, I know you, you see so many people but i remember you saying um and it stuck with me all this time that um she, you know the the woman acknowledged i i have a roof over my head now i have food i have a shower and i have a you know a place to stay but i'm not happy and i'm anxious and i'm I feel distraught, I feel depressed, I feel, you know, all those emotions, right? And so the house itself was not, that didn't solve all her problems, you know? That was just one little part of the whole healthcare perspective, you know, mind, body, and soul, so to speak, you know? Yeah,
8: so I I think that drives the reason why they include this stat in this report, right? It's like, homelessness is this marker of you know, a lot of really difficult, potentially traumatic experiences yeah. that don't just melt away. So yeah. we want to understand what's happening with mortality, you know, five years at least beyond uh-huh. the experience of homelessness and make sure that that's part of us thinking about how we as a community are trying to prevent these yeah. deaths. Yeah. Great. Well, I'll, I'm just gonna um, move to the second to last update. I have one that's I don't have a slide for um, also um but um i just wanted to let you all know that the point in time count took place on january 25th um heather and i participated uh lily McRae and another member of her food uh, health team participated as well um and i think there were over a thousand volunteers who actually participated in the count this year it was um the first time we used this methodology so literally we covered every single block of Alameda County mm-hmm. with someone either driving or walking by to identify literally every single car, every single wow. you know structure, every single place that someone might live. We you know we still probably are missing people because people who don't want to be found aren't going to be found. Um, <laughs> but it was really uh, it was really kind of a profound experience to be part of uh, a account like that for the first time in our community. And so I expect that we should have some results available in the next two or three months, at least some preliminary results. Um, We also extended, usually the survey is done on a sample of people. This year, the survey was done on everyone who would accept a survey. So we should have um, more complete and more rich survey data as well this year from from the point of time count.
6: Um,
8: And then the last update I wanted to give was just in response to something that Mark requested. Uh, So you requested an update on the alternative payment method, um, which we presented sometime last year, I can't remember the exact date, but we talked about the the fact that the state is offering community health centers the opportunity to be paid by the patient instead of paid by the visit, which would allow for designing services in a more flexible way potentially. Um, where you don't necessarily have to see a doctor or a you know nurse practitioner in a doctor's visit in order to get paid for the visit, you could have a community health worker going out to the home. You can have group visits. You can have phone calls. You can do all kinds of things because you're getting paid to take care of this person and achieve certain health outcomes. So you know conceptually, a lot of us as primary care providers, a lot of, of us who are providers of, you know care for vulnerable populations, are pretty excited about the flexibility allowed by that model. But the reality is there's a ton of complexity in shifting over from one approach to payment to another. And so I could not find any official updates on it, but uh, what I was able to, to get from the folks on our, um, on our staff who are tracking is that fewer and fewer clinics are participating. So many are dropping out of the pilot um, stage this first year. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, we're certainly you know, not, not able to take part. One of the big challenges, which is similar in other states, um, there have been some, some publications related to this. Is just the data that you need in order to be reliable for payment is not there. Um, so mm. if you think about it, you know, we've spent <clears throat> decades and decades saying, submit this kind of a claim, this kind of a, you know, um, document that shows what services you provide in order, in order to get paid. And we've developed a whole stru- system and structure around that. It needs to be very reliable, right? If you're paying someone money to do right. something, it needs to be a very reliable system. And we just don't have the data systems for paying by the patient that are adequately in place to do to do this. And that transition is proving to take longer everywhere than anyone imagined. And so we're starting a little bit later in California than some other states have. And it it, it sounds like it's very similar challenges that we're having here in this state. So Mark, we'll keep updating you as as I can. You know, I'll check back maybe with Tangerine and, and her team and folks every three to six months. And if there's anything official coming out about who's enrolled, we can come back. I didn't have anything to even put on a slide because there's nothing official that the state's published on this that I can find at least. Mm -hmm. Um, But when there is, we can bring it back. I I do think it's a really important trend in primary care, especially in in the health center world. So I do want us to keep track of it. So I thank you for asking about it and we'll we'll commit to bringing it back when we
3: have
0: more information about it that's
3: relevant. Okay. Thanks.
0: More more and more doctors. not a lot, but there's a percentage that are doing home visits now. That's come mm-hmm. back. I had someone knock on my door the other day who was a doctor and he had the rock dress. But I thought, wow, this is pretty cool, you know? Um, are we going back to that perhaps? Or, you know, what's the criteria for someone to actually have a physician come to your huh. home? Yeah, are they on donate? You know. yeah. I can
8: see that. Yeah. You know. I don't. I don't know much about home visiting specifically. I think one thing that's come up, uh, and maybe someone else can respond, but the one thing that's come up in conversations with uh, Doctor Herring around planning for the, um, you know, expansion of low barrier services here is just how much innovation and change there is in care models in the for people who are cared or paid for by Medicare. So the Medicare payment system, there's so much innovation going on and so much change in policy rules. And there's relatively less innovation that's happening in for, for those of us who are paid primarily by Medicaid or MediCal in California. And so I think, you know, th- that your comment just made me think of how, you know, it'd be exciting to see um, to see uh, if we can do more of that kind of innovation you know, in the systems that are, the public systems that are paid for by by Medicaid mostly. It sounds like someone on
2: the- Portia has her hand up. Yeah. Yes, Portia.
9: Actually, uh, echoing uh, things that Dr. Francis said. So we do, Loretta, to answer your question about home visits, um, on case six, our adult medicine there, there's a small, small, small amount of home visits. It's through our residency program. So our, our interns- Go out, and then we also have um, if selected, if 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 a third year resident selects this a home visit opportunity. So um, we're not um, not though able to bill at a FQHC rate for the home visits in current state, and so um, you know we have those encounters, we close them, but we're not able to um, attribute them to our FQHC rate.
0: Is there something that we need to do to be able to um, do that? Or I, what are we it, lacking? I mean,
9: it's it's beyond us. It's, I mean,
3: okay.
9: um, FQHC policy, really. FQHC, like, yeah, we can't, uh, it's, it's dictated by the government, what is considered a um, FQHC reimbursable visit.
3: Okay. Yeah, there's certain
8: types of uh, programs, like the 330i program is for permanent supportive housing. And so I think there are some relaxations of some of these rules. If you are like a 330I, mm-hmm. so Porsche. I don't know if you, when you were at Lifelong, because I think they're an I. Did they have? I remember talking to Brenda about they how they had some special dispensation for some being able to do some of these kinds of home visits mm-hmm. in within the confines of the, the not when program. I was there,
9: not when I was there. But you know, it's, it's been about now seven years, so maybe things have changed. Um, but we're yeah. not,
8: we're of course not an I, so that, that wouldn't apply to us anyway. What is an I? An I is a program that can care for people who are in supportive housing or in um, institutional living arrangements. Um, it's, so there's different designations under the 330, um, section 330 program E for everyone. We say there's migrant, farm you know, uh, mm-hmm. migrant workers, farm workers, homeless is 330H, which is what we are. Um, and 330I is a designation for institutionalized folks or people yeah. who are living in supportive housing as well, I think is included in it. There okay. is that home visiting program that, um, that Dr. Mack mentioned. Uh-huh. Um, Dr. Yulal has actually taken some of the residents to Oak Days mm-hmm. um, as a as a part of that resident uh, program. So among the small number of home visits that we do have happening, you know, some of some of the folks that we um, that you know we think about are involved in, in that program. Um, And then Serena, you asked for a breakdown of ECM by clinic. And I have not had a chance to work on that yet, but we'll be coming back. The exciting thing I can say is that we just had a meeting yesterday about trying to design registries that will allow us to kind of run that analysis in a repeated way and use the registries to actually monitor the ECM population over time and utilization and all that. So, you know, that's, that's, really exciting that we'll, I think, be able to start um, kind of monitoring our own goals and objectives and strategies um, for caring for that population. But I'll try to get to that when I'm able to. Great. That
0: concludes, David
3: Yeah, that does. Thanks. Okay.
0: All right. Thank you. All right. Item um, D, Heather.
2: All right, item D is our National Health Care for the Homeless Conference that happens every year and this year. It is in the fabulous city of Phoenix um, and our very own mobile health team will be independent and doing a presentation about their uh, clinical model which includes both medical and dental services. So they're very excited and this is the time of year when the cab We also set aside funds so that the CAB can send a representation to the conference every year. Um, And so this is when we nominate and approve a CAB member to attend the National Healthcare for the Homeless Conference. So the way this will work, this is an action item. um, And so you can either nominate yourself, so self-nominate, or nominate someone else. We do ask that if you're going to nominate yourself or accept the nomination that you're available to attend. So the dates of the conference, the information is here. It's May 13th through 16th. The main conference is the 14th and 15th. And so there's some pre-conference on the 13th and then some bonus learning lab sessions on the 16th. Um, So uh, I know several of us are really just aiming for the main conference. So... I would say that at a minimum to be available to attend those two days of the conference. Um, And it's paid for by our our health system. And we're staying at a lovely hotel and spa in Phoenix. Um, I don't have the name of it here. But if that's of great importance on your decision-making ability, do let me know.
3: <laughs>
0: I would like to nominate myself. I am available to go with these.
3: I
4: want <clears throat> I want to say something about myself. Of course, being on the uh, on the um, consumer advisory board at the at the trust clinic, of course I've already been asked several times, many times. Um, but because of health concerns that I have and health, personal health issues, um, I haven't gone in a long time, and um, I, I won't be going to any more in the future. Mm-hmm. So so, um, so I'm just letting people know that because I, I don't want you to volunteer me uh, when I'm really not in a position to go.
3: Well,
6: You don't have to worry about me
7: because my calendar is up. <laughs> Tammy? <laughs> I would love to go. I just have an American Express.
3: I, I don't know how you know that We're always great. I understand.
2: Okay, so we have, I'm going to say that we have some nominations.
6: Thanks. So, oh. yeah, yes. I move to uh, nominate Loretta as the nominee to attend our um, National Health Care for the Homeless Conference.
4: Oh, come on. Are we only
5: shooting one? Well, I think that I I usually could have discussion after the motion, so that's okay. Right.
2: So I, I think given that there's interest in both we can discuss it and we can see what we can make possible like we really don't want to limit people's ability to attend we often want to open that up and encourage people to attend and so we can sometimes get additional funding from our partners at Alameda County Healthcare for the homeless program and so i think for the purpose of the action you can you can you can say yes to as much as you want to say yes to and then we can work on the other end to see what we can make possible. And if we're unable to make that possible, then we'll have greater discussion. So a nomination and we can we could say that a nomination and acceptance doesn't necessarily I mean you have to go, right? It's just that you are available, you're making yourself available. We're gonna see how we can put the package together. Sets us
8: up to try to find, try to yeah, it it,
2: it lets us it lets us take a look around and see what we can do. Yeah. So I go for the more, the better. At this point, and and we, we see what we can work out. So there's no there's no need to limit at this
8: point. Do you recommend adding Tammy and her plus one to the nomination?
2: <laughs> the plus one is it. I don't think the plus one is is that much of a challenge. Right. It's limited. It's a limited extension of the resource because. The hotel room is the hotel room that right. you will stay in. It's the flight and the flight to Phoenix is relatively inexpensive. It's not It's not um, a major cost. Having already done um, all of the registration for myself, I think the cost per person is uh, roughly $300 for the round trip airfare. Um, I think it's 600 for the hotel room. And then the conference cost is uh, roughly 800 or 900 and then there's some like incremental costs like transportation to or from the airport and the conference um there's minimal I don't know how much of the meals are covered but I mean that's also relatively minimal so did somebody do the math for me (laughs)
1: I I don't
8: think it matters. Right? We have a budget
2: less than two thousand uh, yeah. dollars. We have a
8: budget within yeah. the uh, homeless health center, and then we probably can extend that budget via healthcare for the homeless. So I don't think the math really matters so much as the principle of like the, yes. we, we can likely cover it. So. Yes, and yes.
2: I think sometimes people do also feel like how much are my like what's that leveraging, and it's it's not but for
0: it's, our organization. It's not, yeah. Not. It's wonderful. I'm telling
6: you, it's It
0: was life-changing for me.
6: I will I would uh, go I would love to go. I, it really it's was. Fun. I
0: just there's another opportunity next year as well. Yeah. <laughs> just you know, it puts fire in you or something. I just I don't know. Hope. That's the word hope. It gives you hope as to what can really happen, you <clears throat> know.
2: All right. So I heard a nomination. Um, well, I, I mean, I heard self-nominations. I think self-nominations are fine. And then we had an additional um, nomination of Loretta. And so I think uh, what we do next, and this is where Kayla is much better than me, we do a vote. And so um, you can you can say yes to both of the nominations, right? So you have that opportunity. So if Brenda, if you could just call the vote for electing one at a time. So do the election for Loretta, and everybody says yay, and then we do the election for um, Tammy Plus One, and everybody can say yay, and then we work out the logistics. Or nay. Or nay. Yay or nay.
4: Uh, I'm sorry, I thought we were going to make nominations and then determine later as to whether or not we have funds to send more than one person.
2: Yes, we so we're going to do the nominations and the election so that we can go and do that. Yeah, and, and if, then
8: if, if funding limits us beyond the like lower than the number of nominations that you make, we'll come back to the board and, and then you'll have to make, and a, and we'll have
2: to make a, a more decision. difficult yeah. decision. Okay, but we want to be able to go and seek it out first.
4: Okay, and so the nominations are Loretta and Leanna, Leanna?
2: Tammy. Tammy,
0: Tammy,
4: yeah the daughter. Basically. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the plus <laughs>
6: <wins. I'm> one. Okay. <sorry. laughs> um, Serena, did you not want
1: to go? Yeah. No. All right. Okay. I will call your name for the vote for Lorita and please state yes or no. Lorena Mellon. Yes. Would you hurry Yes. Serena Clayton? Yep. Tammy Wosell? Yes. Mark Smith? Yes. The motion passed. I will, I will call your name for the vote for Tammy Wilsell and her daughter L- Liana. Liana. And please state yes or no? Louita Mellon? Yes. Richard Harvey Jr.? Yes. Serena Clayton? Yeah. Tammy Wilson? Yeah. Mark Smith? Yes. The motion passes. Yay. Thank awesome. you.
8: <laughs> Heather and I will both be there for the first time that both of us have been there in a long time, too. So that's, that's so exciting. Yeah, that's so Hang exciting. Hang out with you guys. Oh, dang. <laughs> 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 it's going to be a fun time. Now you got a reason to stay on for a couple of minutes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Um, and because it's coming up in in um, May, and those the activities that we need to do to make that happen are 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 happening now. So, for example, some of the reservations have already been made. So we do want to get back to you very quickly. Um, it will be probably by the end of next week. Um, so, so really, ask are you
0: guys going to be there the 13th through the 16th? Or are you going to be there just 14th and
2: 15th? I'm arriving the 13th. I'm leaving the
7: 16th. Oh. I'm arriving the 13th and leaving the 15th. The 15th. Okay. I just had a question because on the right the paper says the 13th to the 16th, and on the left it says the 15th to the 30th. But is that something? different? Was I? What did I do? An error? No, no. I'm. Am I reading something? Because it also said Baltimore, Maryland on the book too.
2: Oh, I, oh I'm. I'm so sorry. No, what happened here was you know we often use the. Um, the previous year's memo uh-huh. to make the new memo. Yeah. Thank you for okay. catching that. And I apparently did not do a good job of updating all the that details. So I apologize. Um, pay attention to the flyer and I will have that corrected for your minutes. Thank you for noticing. That was last year versus this year. Yes. Okay, Yeah, hey, I'm just testing y'all. How much are you actually reading what I send you?
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right, so the next item is um, the ad hoc committee's report. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, we um, put together an ad hoc committee uh, back in October. And um, it was to, was it October Oh boy. No, I mean.
3: Yeah, it was yeah, October. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and it was, um, we wanted to collaborate more with the Board of Trustees. That was a, a really big concern of ours and a desire of ours. And so out of that came the retreat, which um, we were all invited to. And now um, certain issues or observations have come from the retreat. And um, those are the things that we're, the ad hoc committee is going to be looking at. Correct. And, um, you know, Kenny Banjari, she is no longer the um, Board of Trustee Chair. And we don't, do we have a new one yet? We, we do. Oh, we do. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. And um, one of the goals is to, um, Of course is to continue to increase the communication between the board of trustees or having someone from the board of trustees come and sit in our um meetings and um so that's that's it's a um it's an important thing and i think that what we began was just a little tip of the iceberg you know we have a lot more to do and um i I believe that that's going to come forth this year from, from mm-hmm. all the things that I've read and heard. And, you know, I have a very, I'm excited. I think it's going to be good. Um, the other thing was our um, the homeless health care priorities, including uh, the need to approve um, the fiscal year 2024 budget. You know, we haven't approved that. And for the FQHC billing um, for the bridge clinic, um, that hasn't changed yet, right?
8: No, we're still not able to bill FQHC rates the FQ at the bridge clinic um, as of right now. So I think that hopefully we will be able to get updates on that via the ad hoc committee.
0: Right, Portia, um, was there something that um, is that in the process still, or
9: I'm sorry, I didn't, I catch, I didn't get the first part of your question.
0: The the FQHC billing uh, for the bridge clinic. Yeah. Any... I, you... I,
9: I, um, Hillary has been running that. I know she's been working with Heather. I, I don't have a, a, a recent update okay. um, and we've also been working with um, the team has also has been working with a consultant, but uh, uh, unfortunately I don't have an update for you.
0: Okay. So that, you know, I'm getting our budget approved. That's very important things that we, we are going to be working on. And then um, to develop clear plans for follow up with stakeholders that were at the uh, November 3rd joint retreat. And you know, there was a lot of people there. And um, once again, you know, I, I don't know what you do. You don't know what I do kind of thing. And um, just getting those people together, there's a desire for everyone to collaborate. There is that desire. It was very, very obvious. And so um, the sooner we can make that happen, I think the more positive things are going to be and the, and the more... Uh, beneficial outcomes. So those are the three bullet points that the ad hoc committee is really working on right now. Um, nothing else that I can think of.
8: No, I think I would just say that we're we have an agenda. I have a draft agenda that's ready to go, and you know we have some documents to that we can meet with, but we are waiting for a representative from the trustees. And I think Serena, you had a chance to talk to. The
5: new share. Oh, I'm sorry if you have any updates on that. I don't that have part. any updates. I did exchange some emails with him and with Lana. They asked some questions about what the time commitment is and so forth. Um, they gave them some answers. And so that's where we are.
3: OK.
5: But
0: I'm going to follow up with them. Sure. Oh. All right, and there's no, um, there's no action needed on this. That was just informational for everyone.
5: Can I just ask a question? So you did this really nice table with all of the issues and sort uh-huh. of the proposed resolution, and so we don't have to address that here. But you were thinking that we would put that forward needed, whenever that happens.
8: Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that we're in compliance with personal regulations aside from the budget, and, which is well known. So I don't really feel bad saying. <laughs> Um, so I think these are more really about how we work together. And I think it'll be helpful to have them in meeting minutes, you know, at the point Mm -hmm. when we meet as a committee and come back here and then say, Hey, here it is in meeting minutes, but it won't even need approval at that point in time It's just "Hey, here's kind of what we're agreeing to at this point in time. That way we can revisit it in six months and say, Oh, this, we don't need to meet this much on this or that we can make changes to it and have it just documented what it was. So that's sort of how I envision, you know, getting it into the, the record. Without necessarily needing to tie ourselves down to something we may not want to follow, you know, in the future, if it doesn't make, if it doesn't continue to make sense, we right. want to stay flexible to be able to, to move in different ways. But I think we do want it to be clear how, how we're collaborating with the board of trustees, given the necessity, I think, for you all to do your governance role, to really be working really closely with, with
5: them.
0: Right. Right. So that
8: was the idea I sort
5: of had. I thought it was really good, and I think it's because it's really concrete, and um, it also addresses how the AHS leadership would interface with the board and keep us updated and so forth. So that he has a schedule of like, who would present how many times a year, you know, it has to be boiled down to those kind of things, Um, but I feel like it's a really good starting place. Yeah. yeah, and some of those recommendations,
8: you know, people have already agreed to, so we'll get going with them in terms of the staff side. So Portia and Terrence yeah. are going to come three yeah. times a year. Mark has agreed to come or send someone who's appropriate for the issues we're dealing with. So his first meeting actually will be next uh, month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I have an opportunity ahead of time to tell him what I think the salient issues are. The budget's definitely going to be one. Um, you know, that, that we want him to address when he's here meeting with us. So some of the things that are recommendations in there are kind of already in progress. Um, and then I think others, you know, will be able to pick up as part of the conversation and I imagine a lot of them will just be check boxes, and then the agenda will focus on some things like what's the minimum thing we need to do to follow up on the retreat. Do we want to do more than that? It's I think one agenda item and then what's going on with the budget. And what's going on with the 2025 budget process, which has begun, what are the plans, you know, yeah. to involve the co-op and board in the 2025 budget process? I think those will probably be longer, more substantive conversations that really involve direct input from the ad hoc committee members of the CAB, as well as the member, the trustee who's nominated, you know, from the from the board of trustees. Those Because those issues are, you know, require input beyond the staff. So I think we've done what we can do as staff, but it's really, we do need to really support this conversation that's between you and the new leadership of of the trustees. Uh, The other thing that I thought was
5: interesting, so we had a, like a pre-meeting with, I mean, it wasn't a, it was like a meeting to plan for the meeting (laughs) with Mark. And he, one of the things he said that was interesting um, was, I sort of assumed that the strategic plan that the board of trustees passes is like the guiding document for the priorities of AHS. And he sort of said, well, that's not exactly how it works.
6: <laughs> so
5: I don't know how to say that he's saying that that's not the priorities, but things it's not like the roadmap. And so then the question is, okay, well, if that's not the roadmap, then what is the, oh, roadmap? the roadmap? And so I think that was part of The idea of having him come was to help share with us what is the current, what are the current priorities, and then hear from us what, you know, our input that could help shape the future priorities.
0: Well, each department has its own strategic plan, correct?
8: Uh, No. Really? Yeah, no, not, not that I'm aware of. I think the organization has one overall. Can there we number, have ours? We have ours um, because we're required to have one, mm-hmm. but it's not uh, by by HRSA, by the county, it's not actually, the reason we have ours is not a result of us being a department of automated health system. Um, so the departments do submit capital budgets, the departments do participate in initiative planning. Um, there's a number of initiatives that, you know, and we can have Mark speak more specifically to like these structures and how they work and then how we want to be involved in them. Um, but yeah, theres not there aren't departmental strategic plans for the organization though. And, and as Mark said in the meeting the strategic, he said a lot of things are happening that aren't in the strategic yeah. plan. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and I think he was saying that as a way to reassure us that like the fact that there was a $0 sign value next to drop-in services in the strategic plan was not a limiting factor for the, the desire mm-hmm. to develop the service. If it's something we need, there are ways mm-hmm. to get it done without getting it into the strategic plan. That was the context in which he said that. Um, so I thought that was that's that was really positive actually for that's us. Yeah.
5: Yeah, because I think my overarching question was, well, we have our strategic plan. That's lovely and well and good, but how like we're in the we're a little piece in a big institution. Right. So how do we actually get our strategic plan to happen unless somebody else has also adopted it as part of the priorities. Yeah. Which
0: is what you
8: Beyond
3: presenting
0: it, I think we have to have process that supports getting it done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Um, oh, let's see. We're on AMP now, right? Did you want to say anything else, Dana? No. Okay. And um, we have a cat membership application. To oh, review. that, okay, that was,
2: that you have done your plan report. You're oh, I can do that. Yeah, uh, so I
8: know, that ad hoc committee was you. So now yeah, it's okay. the plan report is, is yes. me. I didn't have anything else on the ad hoc committee. Okay. <laughs> I can just do the update on the strategic plan. So yeah. this is the, the format that um, we used in the past. And we haven't done one of these updates in a while. I think in, in, in a lot of ways, because there hasn't been a lot of significant stuff to update you on. But it's good to just check in on the status. So I've included in red the things that are behind schedule. Um, or incomplete. Um, so, as you all remember, our strategic plan we broke down in three different goal under three different goals that came out of the kind of theming and prioritization process that we went through. The first one was maximize the care that people experiencing homelessness receive for acute and chronic illnesses at the earliest opportunity and in the locations and settings that work best for them. So, um, our first kind of bucket of work on this area was to um, add Bridge Clinic to the HRSA scope. Um, And Bridge Clinic provided 216 visits to people experiencing homelessness in January 24, which is, you know, about a 50 percent increase over the average for the last year. So they're still trending upward in terms of the number of visits provided overall and to people experiencing homelessness, which you all can see in the regular program reports. So this has been a really big area of success. Um, enrollment. my understanding of the last update is that enrollment in Medicare and Medi-Cal is underway. We've submitted applications to enroll in, in, with those payers. Um, but we haven't yet received approval of those applications and we haven't yet started billing is the latest update that I that I've heard on FQHC billing. Um, so that's that's a you know important kind of delay in relation to this in comparison to when we might have been able to, to bill for the um, bridge clinic visits.
3: Can
5: I ask the question about that? Sure. it what is there? Is there going to be retroactive billing, or or is this from start? Yeah.
8: <laughs> um, I don't know the answer to that question. So we can we can ask when we get the more formal update from finance. We can okay. ask that question, and see when the when the start date will be. There are, yeah, there are several different dates that are really relevant in those applications, and so I don't know how they all line up together. But- Um, then the other thing, um, that we had a specific timeline around at the time that we approved the plan was the mobile health dental expansion. Um, so we, we have expanded that program in spite of not having a new facility for it. Um, we did 29 dental encounters in January of 2024, um, with, for people experiencing homelessness, um, of course the delivery of our new sprinter van is delayed, um, but expected pretty soon actually in April of 2024. Um, which will allow us then to have um, a dental team that can go separately to separate sites, you know, working in a in a made for purpose facility for them, and then continue to have our urgent care team doing doing what they're doing mm-hmm. in that on the on the existing van. Um, so that's that's going to be a really exciting milestone. You all have asked for an update on that; it's coming. Um, the update on that service will come, I think, March or April. Um,
2: March or April, yes. Yeah.
8: Um, then we also named in the strategic plan additional budget proposals to expand drop-in, um, and uh, the first of those was um, really not really a budget proposal because it was budget neutral, we We're kind of managed to like do a deal with Eastmont, <laughs> and <laughs> now Bridge has been looped into the deal um, to get Kirsten Flagg, who's a nurse practitioner who works at Eastmont and at Bridge, mm-hmm. to spend a couple nights a week at syringe exchanges along with a member of HEPAC's team um to provide kind of a linkage to primary care and um and addiction treatment services at this exchange it's a very small program but it's been working great i think we've seen over 100 patients now in that program since it started and um it just really represents a different connection to the community i just talked Mm -hmm. to kirsten yesterday and she was saying it's remarkable how many people still don't really know about bridge um still don't really know about the availability of services and that her presence you know at the site as a provider who's really linked to that program really makes a difference in getting the word out and getting people either into brig or into eastmont to start both addiction treatment and primary care services so you know at this point um we're sort of talking about is this expandable with additional funding and i think um we don't know the, like Kirsten and I don't know the answer about how to, how to advance sort of proposals around the service. It's not really clear how many other places we could be where there would be lots of folks and it would where, take.
0: Where do you do the needle exchange right now? These
8: are at HEPAC sites, which are in um, East Oakland, one in Fruitvale and uh, one in um, like Coliseum area more. Um, yeah. And so those two sites are great. HEPAC has other sites that actually are already either well-served or that have, High proportions of people who are younger and primarily stimulant users yeah. who haven't engaged as much. So anyway, there's a lot of nuance into like, is this something you want to expand? But you know, we've learned a ton from this program. We've published uh, an abstract for it that Kirsten's presented with Sabrina. And um, and I think as as we continue to roll out like low barrier care options, we'll figure out how to bring that learning to some, to, you know, to, to some exposure. The other thing to acknowledge is. We have street teams in Alameda County, but right. we don't operate them. Right, right. And yet, you know, Kirsten's finding people at the syringe exchange sites that are in someone else's territory that don't know about Bridge. So it's just this opportunity for collaborating and figuring out like where does AHS belong and why and how. That I think there's more there's more work to do around it. And still, I'd say I'm super proud of what Kirsten and Sabrina have accomplished with this program and just getting out there, getting the word out, um, and learning so much about this issue in our community.
0: Is our machine downstairs that's hooked to the um, Bridge Clinic, right?
8: Hepac, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so they,
0: they the identification numbers that the people that want to use that get are from Bridge. Is that correct?
8: No, they're well, they're from a, the partnership that Bridge has with a nonprofit organization called Hepac, the HEPAC, HIV okay. Education and Prevention Project around the county, uh-huh. um, and they're they're the organization that um, collects that information and reports it to the funders who's providing it and, and uses that information to improve the program.
0: To have you seen any of the information come back from that,
8: or I have not seen any like Hepac reports of that. Our Bridge Clinic partners may have, um, so um, I'm that's something to ask you know, about. We, yeah,
0: we were so privileged to get that machine. Yeah. yeah, we are very very privileged.
8: No, it's exciting. Um, I'll ask. I'll ask uh, Andrew and Monish and folks down there. And
0: I did see some empty um, areas in machine tonight. <laughs> I'll be- let
8: know. No, I'm keeping mean, an yeah. eye on it. Right, I am. I am. I am. just so impressed with that
0: machine. I really yeah. am. <laughs> um,
8: so then the, the final area um, is um, additional budget proposals to expand drop-in. This is where we're trying to figure out how to make a budget proposal around a drop-in clinic on the Highland campus. So the, the pathway that came out of the meeting that Serena and I had with Mark Bradsky was to work through the SMART committee structure, which is really how our Project management office is able to dedicate resources toward studying and understanding and discovering the ideas around the project and then officially chartering the projects to launch so the next step I, I've met with the head of the project management office and he's working on some things to try to line up a next step where we would present to a subcommittee of the larger committee that would steward this project forward and once I have more information I'll report back to you and um, you know, how, how we're going to go, the timelines, anticipated and things like that to get through the bad process. Um, and then that should be something that you all are able to see somehow in the FY25 budget and understand, like, what is the what are the plans for us to fund something like that, et cetera, et cetera. So that's our first goal area. Um, I'll just go to the second one. And maybe just do all three and people can keep asking questions along the way. Um, so goal two, ensure sustainable funding and infrastructure to support existing and expanded services. Um, we're still looking for a cab member, like a specific person who identifies, like, I, I I, want to be the person who helps you with finance. Um, we really have not, you know, been able to... Talked to some people on the AHS Foundation board and other places to try to recruit specifically for that, and have not been able to recruit specifically for it. Um, so our recruitment remains open. If anyone has ideas, you know we have we have seats, as you all know. Um, the second area was a dedicated financial analyst uh, for the homeless health center. We don't really have dedicated time um, from our director, our former director of program planning and finance and population health. But of course, John Minot has been here in that role to present to us about Mm -hmm. alternative payment methods, for example, and has done some really useful financial analysis for the FQHC and for the Homeless Health Center. He's actually moved to a new position as the director of reimbursement and finance strategy and finance. So I'd say he's partially filled this need for us, but you know, our hope to do things like understand whether our rates cover our costs, and what are the financial strategies whereby we would need to supplement or subsidize the rates in order to cover the cost for the types of activities we need. There's, a, there's a still a gap there that we need to fill. That I think our finance team is aware that we need to fill if we're going to respond to the level of our need and the level of need in our community with really smart financial strategy around expanding to you know to meet the level of need in our community. So. This is partially complete because I think John's been very helpful. It's not like there's nothing happening in this area, but we can use more than what we have.
0: So who's taking his place?
8: My understanding is that the position just moved from population health to finance. Um, And I don't think that there's going to be another position in population health. I think it's just just a move within the organization. Um, then we had compare current and projected allowable costs FQHC revenue at all approved sites, recommend for or against rate changes. This, you know, we had a TBD due date on because it's really dependent upon the line above. Um, I do have a meeting scheduled with Sherry Johnson, who's our head of revenue, to understand where we are on this. Um, there is some conversation happening about this at Eastmont, and maybe, maybe Dr. Mack can shed more light on Um, the conversation to date right now. But if if not, I'll I'll be talking to Sherry soon and hopefully can bring back more information about this to you all. Um, And then on the last areas, identify current and potential supplemental revenue sources. Um, This is really the main area of lack of like clarity for approval of even this year's budget is what are the supplemental revenue sources that support the Homeless Health Center? Um, And how are those allocated? How do we monitor, you know, over time? How do we monitor budget versus actuals on the revenue side? Um, So this is is really one of the largest areas that remains unresolved. And I think pretty much in every healthcare for the homeless program around the country, this is a really critical feature of the program is how they leverage supplemental funding to do things outside of, the core fee-for-service financial model of clinics. Um, So I think without understanding this really deeply, it's unlikely we'll get far on being able to expand to to meet the level of need. Third area, uh, create strong and lasting relationships between care teams and people experiencing homelessness at every opportunity by following up on identified housing and primary care needs. We acknowledge at the time that we did our strategic plan that this was an area where we didn't have a ton of work underway, That it was sort of aspirational for us to start to do things in this area. And the main, so we didn't have any formal milestones that we had established, but uh, the main status update in this area is probably one of the biggest things that's been accomplished because it's been opportunistic, which is that the County Health Care for the Homeless Staff are nearly complete with their EPIC training. So 75% of the patients they serve were already in EPIC. Um, they just they just merged their database of thousands of people. And so that was information that they previously didn't have any access to, that now they have access to, and it's information that now we have access to. And I think the opportunities for connecting housing, the Office of Homeless Care and Coordination, connecting to other outreach services are just, it's really transformative to be on the same health record, um, both for program planning and for just direct care. So this is an area where, you know, just opportunistic advocacy got us pretty darn far because they were down a pathway to do a different contract for a different EHR. Um, So it's kind of cool when we have the principles outlined in the strategic plan. Sometimes it enables things like this where we knew, hey, man, we can't get that much done with the resources we have, but we know what we want to see happen. And so I was able to like leverage the fact that this board really wants us to see us collaborating and connecting to advocate to the commission, to you know, join join part uh, in partnership with RCMIO, who's really been visionary around this. Mark um, Amy, and and you know, get us to this point where we're where we able to use the same record as the county. Yes. That's
0: fantastic.
8: So that's the update on the strategic plan. I think you all were aware of all of these things going on, but I I appreciate the reminder from Serena to kind of bring it back into the structure that we were using before and make sure that we could just. Presenting in the same frame so that you can follow it over time um, in, a, in, a, in a better way. And if there are other ways that you all want to see this information, let me know. I think we're a bit limited in terms of the specific data we can track, but um, but I think this anyway, if you have other other ideas for structure, I'm, I'm happy to entertain those. Of course, we do have to do another strategic plan by the end of this calendar year. In between now and then, the county should finish their strategic plan. Um, which I think will be really helpful for us um, because I think this idea of all the stakeholders and all the partners who we're collaborating with, we don't really know about, I think they've done a process that will hopefully give us a bit of a map and can help us fit in with, with their plan. Um, so mm-hmm. I think we should really design our process, based on you know, process. based on that, based on what, Jonathan Russell thinks coming into his role in the OHCC office, like I think it's important for us to really, you know, we have a new medical director in healthcare for the homeless who just started Amy Garland. We, we have all these people now that connect with, that we didn't really have
0: before. Richard, that didn't the one that was on our table.
8: Yes. I yeah. Remember. Remember?
0: Mm-hmm.
8: yeah. Yeah. So this will, this will be our plan through December. And then we'll one way or another, we'll do another plan um, before mm-hmm. January, but I think we'll probably my, thought right now is that it'll probably be similar to this one. We'll use existing board time. We'll use, you know, primarily existing resources, maybe a small consulting contract, but nothing that's like a big,
3: mm-hmm.
8: you know, process and probably do one lengthier meeting for us to kind of do the same kind of stuff we did last time. Looking at themes, looking at understanding and trying to develop some priorities
0: and go from there.
3: Sounds oh, great.
0: So, um, does the Humboldt Healthcare um, apply for grants, or do you have someone that is a grant writer for funds?
8: Well, the dental program was um, a county RFP that was put out, and um, you're looking at the grant writer over there. (laughs) 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 Uh, So that's, you know, one example of a successful grant. We we have um, also been the fund... Fund the need
2: for the foundation. foundation. And then oh, yeah. there is um there is a grants uh, department through contracting, and they 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 look at what grants are available, and so frequently departments will also work through them or get their support I, if they find a grant that they wanted to
0: apply to. Because you know, because I'm part of the and I, I see a lot of money that is up for use,
8: which. Well, I think there's a question strategically around one-time grant funding that, I don't know, if Kayla would let us talk about this if she were here. But oh. She's not here to spend we I mean, I think our greatest need is for ongoing support um, because we want to expand staff positions primarily. We want to do that in a way that leverages typically Medi-Cal financing. So we say, hey, we have one FTE. Can we support that FTE with half Medi-Cal money and half renewable grants? So the renewable grant from the federal government that supports mobile health, for example, is a great example of that. The Ryan White grants that support the AIC clinic, these are renewable grants that allow us to leverage other dollars. Those are really powerful opportunities for us. The one-time grants, I think, are are much more challenging to figure out how to grow staffing and how to grow the program footprint with one-time grant opportunities like those offered that are research grants or typical sort of foundation grants, yeah. it's still possible to do that, but you you need a pretty tight infrastructure to kind of like keep the engine going. Having done that work at a nonprofit before I came back okay. here, um, you, you it's a different setup than what we have where you're constantly going after grants. You're, right, you're, right, right. you're projecting against the future. You're doing staffing things and in, a, in an organization of our size, it's it's pretty hard to go after like a series of several hundred thousand dollar grants and make that, make that work. So it's not it's not primarily our focus in terms of sources of revenue. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you really look more at supplemental funding that's renewable. Does
0: the CDC um, also give grants for homeless health care and ongoing grants? The right? CDC for
8: homelessness, I'm sure they do. I can't remember them putting one out. SAMHSA has some renewable ones, HERSA, of course. Adds to, often just adds to health center grants. So our grants grown over time because mm-hmm. HRSA was just added to the renewable grants. So CDC, I think of less, they're more in the public health lane. Um, and there's not much on the healthcare side that's, you know, for ongoing healthcare delivery that they do. But SAMHSA and HRSA both do put out things every once in a while that, that may be opportunities for us, or for our partners in the organization, yeah. like Community Health
6: or Bridge Clinic or those folks.
2: I'm going to bring you back to our strategic plan. So we're tying together the conversation Mm -hmm. currently, which is to identify current and potential supplemental revenue sources for the Mm homeless Health Center in that once we know better what our budget is and what's allocated, we would better also understand what gap there was to fill and whether independent small grants would be able to fill that gap. But until we know what's there and what's being allocated,
8: and there are yeah. different requirements for different sources of supplemental funding. So it really affects program design. How much you want to stay aligned with this or that funding mechanism really, really affects how you design programs. Like if you don't want to do HIV care, you shouldn't be getting a lot of Ryan White dollars oh, well, yeah, to fund things, right? That's an obvious example, but even within QIP versus Measure A versus Health Pack. Which, which revenue source is thought of as being tied to our program and then actually has financial control built around it is a really critical feature of sustainability for the programs that we try to build. So I think, and as I said, like, if you talk to, you know, we, Amy and I had dinner with folks in San Francisco, like, this is what the conversation's about, <laughs> you know? Like, where do you get your extra money from? Yeah. How do you leverage it? How do you stay in line with it? I, you know, this is like the core of doing this kind of, this kind of, uh, program
3: building.
5: I have a question about the strategic plan. Um, can you say, without going into exhaustive detail, just give us like an update on what is the, going on with the budget? What, like, why do why is it still an issue? What what's happening?
8: Um, I can tell you procedurally. Like, we um, we received. a uh, a proposed budget, homeless cell center budget for FY 2024 that over allocated supplemental dollars. So it essentially would have required saying, it would have required me recommending to you that you accept a budget that proportionally, so we are 6% of 10% of the organization and it would have showed us receiving an amount of revenue that would have meant that, Um, that we were much bigger than that but not show where it came from in the rest of the organization. So in that way it wasn't aligned with mm-hmm. what the so I said I don't think this makes sense to do because mm-hmm. this isn't doesn't actually meet the definitions of what governance would mean for us, right? Like for we have to have the actual revenue that's actually allocated to this work.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: And it can't be over allocated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, the way it was presented was every time we would present budget versus actuals, it would fully balance. So <laughs> <laughs> every every time you would see the actuals we would actually have gotten exactly as much revenue as we needed to do the work that we were supposed to do like we, we wouldn't i wasn't allocated in advance right the way that mm-hmm. they created that revenue bucket was by saying it's costs minus the patient billing revenue would got us to this re- yeah. this overall revenue number and then that overall revenue number was just Proportionally allocated against the different revenue sources that we get as a whole system.
3: As a whole system,
8: yeah. Um, so, so I, I couldn't, I can't, I would not recommend to this board to approve a budget like that. So I didn't want to present a budget to you that your director was not going to recommend you approve.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: Um, so I said, "Here are my, here are the problems with it. Here's what I would like to see. Please, let's have a meeting about this, and I'm waiting to
6: hear back about the meeting." <clears throat>
0: Was that the right level of detail? Yeah. Very good. Okay. Is that complete you in this work? That's it for me.
8: (laughs) For real this time.
0: All right. (laughs) So we have a um, CAB membership application review. And um, it's an action item, correct? Correct. Because we want to nominate if, if we choose to. Correct. He was going to be here tonight. However, he could only stay part of the meeting. So we suggested that we look at his application. And then next uh, meeting, he'll be here with us. You right, other. Right. Right. Yeah, so um, there's just some background
2: information and reminders of what the requirements are for your board composition and how it works within HRSA and so I've included the previous times that you have added members to your board so you as the members of the board are the people who add members to the board you're the ones who accept and nominate and elect them so staff can't do that Um, and then I also included a memo from 2020, from December 2020, where there was a discussion about what's the process by which members are brought on. So that's why that is there in case you were confused and saw old dates. These old dates are intentional um, and it just describes the process, which is that the application is publicly posted, applications are accepted on a rolling basis, they're reviewed by the Homeless Coordination Office for Eligibility and Board Membership Compliance. That means that I'm looking at it to see what our current board makeup is and what's going on with our compliance. And then if they're eligible, we let them know that there's a seat available to them. If they're not, um, if there's not a seat available to them, I use the word non-compliant here, but that's not really the right probably the right word, but they're eligible, but it impacts our compliance. Um, Then we would have a conversation about them, keeping them for future consideration if their membership um, would be good once there were more people. And then each nominee is separately selected by a majority vote of the members present and a voting at a meeting is designated for each selection. So currently, Uh, If you go back to the original memo, you're required to have nine members in order to be a compliant board. We have six currently, which means that we are out of compliance. We're required to have a, more than a majority of board members be patients. We are out of compliance in that as well. So based on the nine member, like you're out of compliance, Based on nine members, this applicant and the, the seats that are open, you basically have three seats that are open, two of which would need to be patients and one which would not be required to be a patient. Um, those are the three seats available, and this person could take one of those seats. And again, you, your compliance you're still not compliant because you still will only have seven, but we're working our way towards the ninth. So your compliance it, on any other aspects does not improve at all. But you're out of compliance, you're out of compliance. Does does it matter? I thought
5: I had heard us say previously that before we could recruit any non-patients,
2: we had to recruit a patient. This is your decision. Oh, so I'm I'm putting it out there to you. This you you're you're right now. You're out of compliance on your patient representation yeah. because it needs to be a majority, yeah. and right now you're fifty okay. percent. Right? It's because you have six. So it's out of compliance because it's not a majority. So you can make the decision to right now hold this one because it's out of compliance either way and you do have okay. a seat available for a non. I'm bringing it to you, guys yeah, and it's on, really up he's to you. Yeah. Okay. It's from a different organization. Well, I
0: see.
4: Well, we don't simply need to actually make it or do a vote of any kind right now. Right? You don't have to. No, yeah. no,
2: it's up to you. So there would need to be a motion in order to do a vote. And so you can choose not to move anything and it's just
0: lay it out in front of you. Well, I think, um, I don't know how many of you had a chance to read his resume or look over his stuff, but now, I mean, you'll have it for the next meeting. So if there's any questions
4: that you want to direct to him, you can. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking we simply table it and wait till we actually meet the person. Yeah. And then make a vote at a later date for, um, in a closed session.
2: Well, it's not a part of your process to do a closed session. No, it's just, For yeah. um, electing members. Oh, okay. So that's why if everyone
4: did their homework and, you know,
0: Read these the application and maybe thought of some questions that they might have. There is no conflict of interest, correct? There, there is no conflict. Is no conflict of interest. No. he's not a provider.
2: Uh, one of the other
0: regulations is
2: around um, working for the healthcare industry, but you, there's no, there's no issue there for your your compliance currently. Like you're not going. Out of compliance by adding somebody who's also, <laughs> in and I do want to also, I, I think, officially say that I cannot say, I cannot confirm or deny whether the patient person is a patient or not because that would be um, PHI. So you'll notice on your application oh, right. that it says that, it, that it's That's redacted. That, yeah, right. it is. so all I can say is that you have these three spots. One of them could be a person who's a non-patient. Two of them can be patients to maintain your compliance. This is
4: weird. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, we're
5: here.
2: Kayla, <laughs> Kayla, we're here. Kayla, <laughs> Kayla, help! But I, but I do want to keep it. I, I want to remind us of some of the things that we do keep that are that are, you know, like we know what the compliance. I'm trying to just explain what the compliance rules are, and it's hard because we're a small group. Okay? <clears throat> people can figure out what's what pretty easily, but I think because it's a recorded meeting, I just want to be especially careful about any thing. Yeah.
8: In the past, we've we've approved people without meeting them in the past. Yeah. yeah. so yes. I, yes. I think the key question is not so much like how would he respond to questions. I think if you all. I think the application speaks well, we have someone who's, you know, interested in doing this pretty thankless, but can be fun when we do two truths and the lie kind of job. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think we just have good faith and say, hey, all aboard. I think the real, the real question is around what Heather's talking about. Then we become a, you know, we, we give up some elements of our compliance in the short term. Um, that we have to resolve anyway over the longer term, and it's up to you all whether you want to do that or not. But I, I don't, I just to reiterate, I don't think like having him come and answer questions yeah. has been okay. part of our process yeah. in the past, right. and yeah. I don't think it needs to be part yeah. of our okay. process this all time right.
5: either. Yeah. Um, but so normally when you have applicants, you don't know if they count, hmm.
2: Well, in so the patient column or the not patient column. Well, I do. She so in see. the in the office review. The, oh, so okay. in this the, in the in the process, the office okay. reviews the the compliance yeah. issues I see. and I see. says, oh, yes, I see this is not going to throw you out of compliance. Right. In this case, due to us not yeah, having, we're already exactly. out of compliance. It's not put us in compliance. It's exactly. not putting you.
3: Okay, that's, <laughs> that, that, that But so it, and it's not
2: taking you any further away from <laughs> compliance yes. because right. ultimately. In order to be a compliant board, you need three more people to be nine. And within those three people, your seats include two patient representatives and one non-patient representative. So if you look at the whole picture of compliance, nine is (laughs) compliance. You're not patient compliant right now either. You're already, it's already broke. That's already broken, right? Like You're already out of compliance there as well.
8: Yeah, I think that's fairly
2: broken. Yeah. It's right. just yeah. that one percent <laughs> we're missing that one percent. Um, But so that's where for you, it's do you want? I would need direction from you to say that you want to be in partial, rather be partial compliance than have two things non-compliant, and that your goal is for the next member to bring us to partial compliance Mm
3: -hmm. right
2: or you know you're not compliant we need this person to do this thank you so much job with that we really do appreciate you all for as well and like we're going to get the others as well um it's not a decision i can i i get to make it's it's it's
6: this
3: decision you get to make have you
6: guys reviewed the resume Mm -hmm.
3: just right now yeah
6: I mean, I don't know if he is just <laughs> <laughs> a nice question. I mean, I'm being to a we, we can person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. yes. you guys have some skill. Mm-hmm. Especially being mm-hmm. right. <laughs> <the count?
5: clears throat> a day liaison. Especially being a liaison? But what do you mean?
6: As far as like being able to like bring people together. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's, that's his, labor yeah, mm. labor yes, relations, yes.
4: and
0: yeah. Okay. So that's a good thing. That's a skill in itself. Yes. But not everyone
4: possesses. <laughs> My only thing is, is uh, I would prefer, no matter what, what qualifications or what is reflected and what they've written and what they've answered um, on the application, um, that i like to meet the person at least. You would get them in the eye once. Oh,
0: yeah, of course. Yeah, you know,
4: at least once. Yeah. Uh, and not base it primarily on their application. And
2: again, in order to do that, we would need to change our process. And so that is something that you guys oh, can request, okay. that you want the process for candidates to be different, which would be including, for example, an interview by a committee. You can have a membership committee, in which case you would decide which of the board members would be on the membership committee and would do could do the review and a conversation with them. Like that's an option for you. That
4: How that can you I that make process. this suggestion, oh, it's complicated.
2: It's not complicated at all. You I'm just not, say what you want so and right, I write well, I it up for
4: you. You know, we could he could come to a meeting and um, we could just look at him. He I'm can just say a few words and that would be that and the next line we just so call well.
6: How about I move to table to next our next meeting day? Can I do that? Yes. We just don't think it actually. We're to make it a motion. So, so I can make it into the actual.
2: You just say I move that we move that we table that for the next
6: meeting and somebody says it.
4: And, and then she I'll gets it. it So I move that we move that for
6: the next meeting. So that we can see the person, and we
3: haven't, we haven't done that. We haven't done that, that in before. The past, yeah.
0: So I think right. we'd,
6: we'd be applying a new yeah. standard that hasn't been applied yeah. to existing members.
0: Yeah. they did when I was.
6: So then, would uh, I have to I make a motion to table, own. and then make a motion to introduce, or, uh, oh,
3: yeah.
6: yeah, introduce oh. new practices into our procedure or
1: membership?
2: Um yeah, let me see. Let me well, can we talk about what we yeah. would, might
5: want for that? Because I don't know if so I'm feeling a whole committee thing and yeah, no, like no, making no. it super complicated. Yeah. i I yeah. also feel like it's a little weird to invite someone in a judge like we're evaluating you kind of way, but I don't think it's that's nice for me. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable to want somebody to talk to the person. Of course. I was a little bit surprised that I was just accepted without anybody talking to me. So mm-hmm. I do think that that's not a bad step, but could it just be something simple like one of us or Heather or I don't know, mm-hmm. just somebody, yeah. one person, like would we? Heather's Maybe already like... talked
6: to, to the Yeah. Several, yeah. Oh, you several times.
2: Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah.
6: Huh. Oh, I didn't
7: know that. I'm food.
2: sorry I talk to you.
7: Okay. <laughs> 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 so, I no, I didn't I talk to anybody. Before. I just like got so talk-
5: the next thing I knew, I was getting a board packet.
8: I, mean, that was- <laughs> I think because David knows you, so I think that was probably part of like us just being like, yes.
2: <laughs> but um, well, then we very like- close to a date where we had to prep the board stuff. <laughs> so
3: would like the
5: share- but would you want to share more
2: about your uh, uh
5: Not like- not PHI, but just like your impressions.
2: Well what I will say is that this person reached out via uh, I think they saw it online that the application mm-hmm. they're they're new to the Bay Area mm-hmm. and they wanted to get back to their community and were just researching and found us which I think was pretty incredible Yeah, I think to get to our application is rather hard. Yeah get the Alameda Albu- <laughs> Health System and yeah. I think it does show some skill in navigation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the the way that the application was forwarded. Um, I would say that he's been very responsive. So we received the application. Um, Brenda replied. He was on the phone with me. Like it. It there's there was there's a evidence of a lot of interest, and that um, there's this. Tonight, unfortunately, he's not able to attend because he had a conflict, but then he's cleared his calendar for all Tuesdays moving forward so that
0: so should we just think about they it? could... That's they what it sounds like. It. It. Right. 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 Right.
2: He's, he's pretty excited. And, yeah. I, and I, you know, now that I want to... There are processes also by which once you have members... We can no longer be members, like you have processes in place for that too. I think so. we should take I think we should
3: Yeah. Yeah. So then you would
2: you would nominate. Yes. You want to make a nomination? Yes,
0: I will make a nomination. Um John.
2: I nominate. Yeah, you might want you can use the word, like I nominate John Tiller to be a member. Tiller, Tiller, that's
0: Yes. Um I'd like to nominate anything. Motion to nominate John Teller to be a member of the town
1: I'll second I will call your name for the vote and please state yes or no. Loretta Mallon? Yes. Richard Harvey Jr.? Stay. Serena Clayton? Yes. Yeah. Tammy Wilson, Yes.
4: Yeah.
1: Mark Smith? Yes. The motion passed.
8: I just saw Portia send a message to Cheese. Thanks all for the conversation and
0: logging on. Okay. All right. Okay. What's next? Um, your what's favorite next? report. Oh yes, your your report on all the clinics. I was looking this over. I was oh, wow. Really impressed by some of these clinic totals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Say.
2: Um. So you know, I'm just going to bring your attention to a couple of new things um, that have been requested that we now have access to. So um, when you look at your first page of the report for the Highland Wellness Center, when we're looking at access, um, we have our number of patients waiting for primary care. And now you will see a yellow column. The yellow, you know, is our favorite Mm -hmm. column. And yes, next month, I will move that over so that it gets first, Mm -hmm. first slot. But this is my... My driver. I added this like two days ago, so right before we published. It was the same day we were publishing, so it was a quick ad, So because we got that information, yeah. then Um so we've got 157 people experiencing homelessness who are on the waiting list. So we now have a report, um, and that's the first step—a report that I can manage. So apparently. I know I asked this before, but I don't remember if there was a clear answer. Did, did they go to the front of the line? So. Right now, we have the information. We don't have any processes um, that would move anybody to the front of the line. And we will be talking about the program report with our primary care managers and medical directors in the March meeting, including this report. And so that's when we hope to have that conversation and talk to people about what they think about that. But right now, because I know how many there are, doesn't necessarily mean that they know Mm -hmm. that they exist or who they are. Mm-hmm. So we would need to add in a process based on like I get this report, do they who wants it so that they can then work it or not mm-hmm. work it? And what would would we put priorities in place? Mm-hmm. But can we recommend
5: or some of the mm-hmm. like other board? I just feel like this is a 330H so it feels like a good, like we have a good basis for saying they should go to the front of the line. Like we're under a homeless designation. No <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just, is it, will it be difficult? Is it controversial? I don't know if it's controversial in this room, but I, will it be controversial with the people running the clinic?
8: I think it'll it'll require setting up A process yeah and the thing that's in doubt is the likelihood that that actually gets more homeless people seen in clinic because setting up a process to do more phone calls to people so you can do three phone calls more quickly that they don't answer and then you move them off the line doesn't necessarily change or so you can set up more appointments that yield more no-shows where people don't get transportation to the clinic so i think that's that's the issue. That can be the first step. The first step is we can say, well, let's prioritize it and let's do it. I let's think my, try. yeah, let's try yeah. I think, okay. I think if we tried, this is where the difference in sort of our roles, right? So my role working with a program champion who's already serving a high proportion of people experiencing homelessness, for example, Dr. Herring or Lily McCray or um, Dr. Hall
3: on the dental van, for Kirsten is to support that champion,
8: to do work they're already trying to do to help homeless people. And Heather and I can be really valuable to champions like that in our organization. I think um, to change an intake process for a clinic system that sees 30 plus thousand patients a year, to prioritize 3000 of those patients, to figure out how all those processes are gonna work, I I can't convey to you a sense of confidence that
3: it's a good I'm going to
8: spend year. a lot of my time doing that and it's going to yeah. yield a lot of value for people experiencing homelessness. That's not to say, it's not something you all should say you do, but it's, it's <clears> one <throat> of the main reasons that I am really supporting your work with the ad hoc committee and the board of trustees because that's work that our current structure doesn't support, our current staffing model and structure doesn't support us getting done very well it's not to say it's not work that's not important or that could that could get done it could get done well but it takes a different kind of resourcing and a different kind of oversight from you all than the kind that you exercise over us right now so that's that's my kind of nuanced
0: and kind of hand wavy response to what you're saying i'm sorry so hypothetical if a homeless person is um seen in the emergency room and they are found to have a, a chronic illness. Um, does the emergency room have the capability to make an appointment with the first available ECT? No. You have that? Uh, Why wouldn't that work? I I'm, I'm just curious why.
6: the the processes
8: aren't in place to do it. So it would require knowing where that patient is assigned. Probably the majority of patients seen in the ED are not assigned to Alameda Health System. So many of them are assigned to another clinic. Um, So they need to figure out, are we just doing this for people who are assigned here or assigned somewhere else? If they are assigned here, they might be able to get someone on the phone to get that done, but... Um, there's not a backend scheduling process right now. I don't know why not, but my my, my guess is it's, it's probably not nearly as straightforward as it conceptually seems. Like that is a very obvious and good idea from my perspective as well. And then when you get into the details of implementing things like this, they have numerous trade-offs in terms of the amount of data you have to collect, who has to do it, how many exceptions are there going to be to the process and how do you actually get it done? So it's... We can we can try to launch processes to do that. that um, they're just very interesting. We have a very large system with a lot of people doing that kind of work and they're doing it for lots and lots of patients.
6: Yeah.
8: Um, and so it, it's an important conversation to get into for sure. It it represents a, a different a different strategic direction in how you leverage the staff that you really do that really do report to you. Which
3: is me.
8: <laughs> yeah. And in a lot of ways, Heather and Heather and, and Brenda as well. Um, although not, not directly, but I think we all feel accountable to mm-hmm. you. But I think to say go to a committee of the revenue and scheduling services and a committee of the ER and a committee of this and launch this multi-stakeholder process to redesign frontline union work would be beyond what what we're capable of doing.
0: Yeah. But I guess what I I don't understand that, okay, so if the patient is seen in the emergency room and let's just say, um, oh, I don't know. Let's say they tested positive for HIV, we use that as an example, and they are not being seen at any other clinic. Wouldn't it be important to get that patient signed up with your clinic?
8: So you managed managed to pick an example for which we have a very good process and can demonstrate with data that we have a very good process for people living with HIV, in large part because we have dedicated, renewable grant funding. For a nurse role that does provide that linkage to the clinic. Okay. And we also have an ER um, research champion who supported okay. ER-based screening for HIV. Okay. And those two, you know, supported programs that linked together to create what you're talking about as a, as a work around the system. So that's primarily done by the clinical staff. It's not done by the front office staff. That is a clinician-to-clinician contact that's happening to our nurse in the back end at AIC who's making sure we just get that patient scheduled and get them in to see them so okay. that it does happen in the case of HIV, but if you made it diabetes instead of HIV. We don't have a mm-hmm. diabetes nurse that is doing the same thing. We don't have a,
0: so a no doctor. one follows up. So you tell this person, okay, so if sugars. Okay. You know, we've got that under control now. And we send them on his merry way. What do we tell them? Follow up with your PCP somewhere.
8: Uh, the standard process is there may, there's a lot of variation is, what I, is one thing I would say. So yeah. there's a lot of variation. One clinician on one day with one patient, they do a number of different things related to all of these complexities. Yeah. And it, it's now actually getting even more complicated with ECM. You could be assigned to lifelong and have an ECM provider at roots and be coming to the emergency department at Highland. Your ECM navigator could be the one who's supposed to bring you in to... You get it? So right, right. So I can't I can't tell you the answer for every different scenario that's out there. There's a ton of variation. What I can say is there's not a standard process yeah. for that patient to get scheduled into a visit and you know get the support that adequate support they need, transportation, for example, to get
6: to that visit on time. It's based on your home.
0: Or okay. follow up. You know, follow-up is is so you correct the problem that they came to the
8: emergency room for there are there are ER-based um, Clinical follow up uh, processes for specific issues. So, if there are tests that are ordered that are high risk tests, for yeah. example, an ER staff member will follow up on those tests and get in touch with the patient and make sure that that critical value is being reported. So, in that case, there are. But the idea of chronic disease care—that's um, not there's not a standard way to get someone into a primary care clinic for chronic disease that's exacerbation from the ER.
0: So someone's kidney functions are failing, if they're a kidney failure, based on the test that, the blood test that you ran, the nurse would call and say, you need to come back to the hospital so that we can...
8: Yes. Yes. Those processes are in place. Yeah. So for for lab values that, you know, require you to be hospitalized or something like that, those clinical processes are in place. But Mm -hmm. if your kidneys were just...
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
8: That's going to get worse in five years. Right.
0: Yeah.
6: Have you look at
3: things a little
0: different well happy. you know I, <laughs> I I know of a homeless person right now who um, has really bad kidney problems is not able to urinate couldn't they, they were asking someone that lives with me for a catheter so that they could cat themselves see so couldn't urinate you know and um, and they're they're IV drug users and they you know they, they have many many Health issues.
6: So
8: I will say that the work that we're already prioritizing right in the strategic plan is very responsive to this problem. It is, let's create a clinic that attracts people to it. Right. That all the doctors in the whole cl- right. the whole right. facility know about and can say, go here yeah. anytime. Yeah. Right. That's that's the way we're choosing to work on this issue.
3: Which is and, your drop-in clinic.
8: Yes, and I have more <laughs> confidence, in spite of how hard it is getting. <laughs> to be part of a project management process that's going to, you know, and and getting uh, an allocation of revenue that's going to support it and all, in spite of how hard that all that is, I still have much more confidence in my ability to influence that process and get us to a place where we're making a meaningful difference for the people in the ER who may or may not be assigned to our clinic, who who are homeless and need a place to go for their chronic disease care versus prioritizing this line i'm not saying that's the wrong thing to ask for or the wrong thing to do i'm just i'm i'm telling you like the structure the resourcing we have for it is not the way i would design the resourcing to get that done that's a that's a conversation that would be great to have with the board of trustees Mm -hmm. is this all something you all think that we should be able to do how would you want us to staff and structure this how how would this work in the system that you all oversee is this a priority for you because i think that's that's the place where we really oversee this kind of larger system that we're in,
0: Yeah, I, I told you about the um, the homeless friend that ended up having cancer, right? And they ended up doing partial surgery here, but referred him up to um, Sacramento and paid for his trip up there because you know he has no transportation. And he got up there, he got his treatment, and he's doing fantastic. But that all originated here in our in our emergency room.
8: Yeah, there are from
0: emergency to admittance to yeah. You know,
8: like I said, we're we're doing a good job with some subset of people. There's a lot of variation. There's a lot of very cool, amazing collaborations that people put together to care for people. It's not a standard thing to do us right, right, right. about.
0: It. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want to see them sent out on the street. You know, you know, okay, we you know we fixed your sprained finger, you know, or whatever. And, you know, go out, be careful, blah, blah, blah. And then nothing else is followed up, you know. Because if they're coming in for something simple like a sprain and, and you're not running blood tests, you don't, If it's not standard practice to run blood tests. I don't know. But how would you know if they didn't have HIV or hepatitis or, you know, a variety of different things they, they could have, right?
8: Well, the most important screening test for infectious diseases is- The the ER ER has been among the national leaders in setting up screening programs for HIV and hepatitis C and those things. So we don't necessarily screen for every chronic disease. I don't think that's the ER's work. But if if there's an ER that's out there trying to do population health, it's the Highland Emergency Department and San Leandro, and you know by extension Alameda and their work there now, you know, connected with that hospital. So I think I think we can be confident that. Clinically, we're sort of doing those things. It's the process around appointment scheduling mm-hmm. that is not, that's the part I'm telling you is not standard. There's a lot of clinical work that's done, you know, along the lines of what you're talking
3: about. Yeah.
2: Okay, now if you're also confused about the rest of your program report, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> yeah, so you, got, you got duplicate Highland. Yeah. I'm so sorry. We somehow yeah. du- <laughs> Highland got duplicated it, it's my fault. So one of the things that we will do um, is uh, you'll get a you'll get a fresh a fresh report <laughs>
1: and we'll uh, reload it. we will reload it with the, the other half. Um, it's oh, a yeah.
2: challenge is because it's two separate worksheets and we just the <laughs> one got
0: printed twice and but the But you have this one on here because I was looking at it. I was so impressed with. What's going on over there? I you know
2: I the first one made It's, it's yeah. when you when you when you do multiple versions, sometimes errors be made. I know. I you, know. you're looking at the error maker. I'm, I'm fully ready to own all of my errors, but don't worry, we'll fix it. I've noticed Absolutely. So we'll we'll get it. We'll get yeah, it. Fixed for it. You. Um the other thing that we're gonna see on your next month's uh, program report that we were working on, um also at your request is understanding mental health visits. Um, better within our system. and so we figured out a way i have figured out a way to do that. So we'll sample that next month. It will be across the homeless health center and not specific by site. That is a lot more challenging. With this program report, primarily we're using existing reports that are set throughout our system to our leaders already. So we're not trying to design new things or create our own special reports because when it's outside of the system like that it's really hard to keep sustainable. So uh, this one with the people experiencing homelessness on the wait list, that's our own report that doesn't go anywhere else yet. But if we are able to get our program report as a regular thing in front of the practice managers and medical directors, uh, we will be the source of of good information. um, Most of the other information they're getting in other ways already.
0: And the mental health visits would be similar, something that, that only we have. Is the mental health through John George? Is no, it's through, I mean,
2: it's through the homeless, homeless Health Center. So remember, yeah. John George is outside of the Homeless Health Center. um, So it's through the clinics, mm-hmm. East Mount Highland, Newark, and England. And then also just to explain why I moved seats, I did not plug in well today either, so it wasn't charging and no, it can't make it the whole meeting. <laughs>
3: Single, hundred
2: percent battery. Now we know it had to end at like seven fifty-five, seven
0: fifty. Would have been okay. (laughs) Okay, we'll remember that. I will remember that.
2: (laughs) Next time, I'll have it plugged in correctly. I thought I had it correct. I didn't.
0: And then just make
2: one comment about the data and all this. Like I think
5: that, and I'm just trying to hold sort of two different things at the same time. Like one is I hear what you're saying about best use of your time. I get totally get that. Like and you know, as someone who's usually sitting in that seat in a board meeting, board members come up with all kinds of crazy things that staff should do. And sometimes they're just not a good idea. <laughs> just not oh, it's just great. not time well spent.
8: This is and this is not that, by the way. It's a good idea. Yeah, I'm just, I'm right. Just well so, the likelihood you know, of
5: success. No, I know. So I mean that's thing I'm trying to hold is like, well, if you say, well, you're on the board of this homeless health center, and then you give us this data, and you've like, well, it's 157 homeless people who aren't getting here in this homeless health center that you're on the board of, you sort of feel like, wow, that's not so uh, good. What the heck? Something, yeah, do? exactly. Right. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I'm just sort of holding that reality with the other reality that you're saying. But But what I want to say about data is, it's not that I don't want the data. I'm interested in it, but I don't I guess I don't want you to generate a lot of data for things that we actually aren't gonna, like, why do we want it, right? So, I mean, this number here, I don't remember why we have this, or I mean, it certainly makes sense to have it and I could well have asked for it. I could imagine asking for it. Um, But we have a strategic plan, which was the moment where we said, well, what is the best use of your time? What is the best use of our effort? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that. It was, let's build a new care entity that is going to be designed specifically for the population rather than tinkering with these other entities that aren't designed specifically for that population.
8: I think that's not responsive to your full governance obligation as a board. And so I think this is where this collaboration with the Board of Trustees is a critical role of this board that has not been established as well as it needs to be and why we formed the ad hoc committee. HRSA establishes board and says, you must review utilization of services. Mm-hmm. You must review quality. You must review access, right? So in this that's report, cool. we're one. actually breaking these things down and giving you data on things that is your responsibility as yeah. a board to okay. do. So although I can be more effective on the strategic elements yeah. and I'm not quite as effective on the operational oversight elements, yeah. that's the. That's a function of the way we're structured, which doesn't always have to be that way. And the way we can change that is by partnering with the board of trustees in a different way, but it, it will remain your responsibility, our responsibility, since I'm a non, I'm an ex officio, non-voting member of the board, but it's part of my responsibility too, to make sure we're looking at utilization data, we're looking at grievances, we're looking at operational data. That's something that when HRSA comes to visit, there's, and when the county, they want to make sure that they see that we see that. So I think it's a reasonable strategic approach to say, let's not spend too much time on it and let's make sure we do the strategy parts. Um, But over time, I think it's something that we do wanna be able to do. The other thing I just wanna say is, like if we can launch one or more eventually, drop in clinics, Mm -hmm. it's gonna affect that number, Mm -hmm. right? of
6: course. Right, because Mm
8: -hmm. people will be able to get off the waiting list themselves, right? right? Right. And so, yeah. To yeah. You know, so, so we're doing we're doing work that's yes, responsive to yes. this data, also. But, but I think the the larger point is just that we we do have a responsibility and obligation under the the requirements to monitor operations in the in the organization, even though I don't have a lot of operational authority or responsibility.
6: I I think when we created that, when we started the committee, we understood that there was a group that was underserved and so that rendering services
3: mm-hmm.
6: figuring a way how to render services to our population that wasn't getting the services was the best thing to do put in our in our strategic plan and so when we created that it kind of started you a your way without you actually knowing <laughs> that this is something that to. Needs- but I actually see in the data, because we didn't get this data until recently.
0: Right. So. Um. For me, as a patient, you know, I, I look at at these numbers from, as a board member and as a patient, and that's two different directions. And so when I'm looking at, at uh, Eastmont and I'm seeing that, man, they're, you know, they're, uh, their ratings are way up, and they Productivity is up, and they have less people on their waiting list. I'm thinking, what are they doing that we're not doing? See, this this is the this is kind of like the 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 angel and the devil, you know, talking to each other. Where are we missing it here? How come we don't have that high of a score, you know? And and how come we have X Y Z patients waiting but they've lowered theirs by fifty percent? What's happening here? You know, I want to know. I want to know as a patient, and I want to know as, as the cattle leader too, you know, because. That does affect our population that we serve, you know. So for me, I get excited when I look at these numbers, you know. And and I mean, for some people, not everybody is like me, you know. But when I look at it, I'm, I'm looking at it from a patient perspective because I go to Eastmont and I also go to Highland. So I'm a patient of both places, and I want to know what's going on there, and if they're doing their job right, and I want to be able to say. They have outstanding doctors at Islam I see so-and-so and I'm telling you he's the best you know and, and I am able to say that and when I'm not able to say that and I have to say something bad I make that note too <laughs> you know because it's important it's important as a patient that the patients speak up and, and say this is what you're doing right this is what you're doing wrong you know yeah. so and I think that's the importance of having patients on the board mm-hmm. see and um I know that uh you know they're getting ready, they're taking applications out for the PFAC. And so I've been in communication with them It's so I, you know, I was involved with that before. And um that's that's another wonderful committee if it's run correctly. You know, yeah. a well let's do changes. a little um uh, now, uh, PFAC, uh, patient family advisory committee. committee. Yeah, I was on it the K seven or K six uh you know, do that And we made a lot of changes, a lot of good positive changes. And, um, and the, the people that were in charge did listen to the patients, you know, um, a lot of things that patients want, we can't give them, you know, because it's like pie in the sky, right? You know, and you can't get everything that you want. But I, I do believe that if you can't give them what they're asking for, you explain to them why, why it's not feasible. Not, oh, we just don't have the money. No, we can't do that because... And, and you make it a little more understandable. You know what I mean? And then people's perspective of, of where they're getting their health care goes up. And they're happier patients. They're happier providers. They're happier everybody, right? I mean, really...
8: I, I think, you know, that question of what happened at Eastmont that didn't happen in Highland illustrates exactly what you said, the value of having patients yeah. on the board, because I think like we can ask Terrence and Portia and I, I can also offer a response to that question. But I think that's the kind of question that and the kind of question, why can't we prioritize these 157 people? That's a good question for Terrence and Portia. And that's mm-hmm. a good reason to have them have their own moment in this meeting where you all talk to them directly, right. where you all talk to Mark directly we can tee up these questions for you to talk to the operational leaders and hear from them because they actually have the oversight that I don't have of all these different committees that are reporting to them and how, how does it fit into their priorities, et cetera. Like those, those two questions you just asked are great ones. And you're very authorized to ask them and Mm -hmm. authorized to Mm -hmm. tell us that we should be doing different things. Actually,
5: I remember what happened when I asked that question, (laughs) which Terrence was here. And he gave, he said that they were working on a methodology to I think, okay,
0: I remember this.
5: triage the waitlist yeah. and it sounded very complicated and like it was going to take a very long time to figure out the methodology.
8: I think they were exploring a built-in tool in Epic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, many of us have recommended not using such a tool um, and thinking about things that we have data for like ECM already. Yeah. ECML is yeah. potentially a way or something like
5: that. So. So anyway, just to like from a process standpoint, there was an answer, um, so that was cool. There was information. Yeah. But now I I don't know what happened to that, and then also like what role we would have in saying, yes, we like that methodology,
3: or we don't. Right. Mm-hmm.
8: That concludes. Oh. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Kayla's gonna have a fit when she listens
2: to this. For the right. next. <laughs> <laughs> We're still recording though, and so we need to
0: do the final parts of the meeting. Um. So, are there any other comments, vendors board? I,
4: I have one. Yes, ma'am. I. Uh, I I've mentioned this before, and I think other people in the past have said something about it. But some of the issues we're talking about, um, as Damon was saying, does as he was saying earlier, involve some other people who actually uh, make those decisions and also operate those um, those particular um, operating those particular areas that we're talking about. Okay. And I think unlike. We did some a little bit last year, but I think we need to be more proactive in inviting more people to speak to us about some of those issues in which, in which we we might want answers, but you don't necessarily uh, or or Heather operate it well. And people
8: are people are agreed think... to come, and the ad hoc committee is working on exactly that. So I think I think we're making good progress. I mean, we have to remember too, this is a new brand new administration; they're learning. Everything about Alameda Health System, like Portia and Terrence have been in their roles for right. less than two years. Mark's been in his role, you know, maybe two, a little bit more than two years, something like that. Like, there's a whole lot going on, so I think mm-hmm. we're we're getting their attention. They're saying yes, and they're following up and trying to do yeah. things. And so I think we just we keep down the pathway to get there.
1: They want
0: they want to work with us. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a good thing.
3: Yeah. yeah. Thank you.
0: I would like to thank uh, Liana for the, Day. Oh,
4: oh, okay. Liana, the valentine. Thank you, Liana. You. <laughs> I'm sorry for calling you Liana when your name is... <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> okay. And I think that's it.
2: Would you like to adjourn the
0: meeting at 8.17? I, at 8.17, yes, I did like that. Thank thank one moment while I... I the recording. just around with Thank you. Thank you.